Welcome to Kissing in a Tree with your host, Kelly Nichols. Romance, intimacy, and self-love are easier when we talk about them, and even more so with someone to lead the way. Here is your host, Kelly. Welcome to Kissing in a Tree. I'm Kelly Nichols, and joining us today is Ava Elder. Ava is a trans woman with a unique perspective on the influence of gender identity and gender expression on our confidence, our relationships, and our intimacy. I would like to note a content warning here for discussions about gender dysphoria, which may be triggering. If you don't feel like you're in a safe place to hear these discussions, there is no shame in skipping this episode. We will catch you next week. We're going to talk about the experience of Ava's transition and how it has impacted various aspects of her life, both the challenges and the improvements to confidence and healthier relationships. I have found that there is a lot that cisgender people can learn about gender expression, relationship dynamics, and empathy by listening to trans people and learning from their lived experiences. So I am hopeful that you'll find today's discussion informative and helpful. I am so pleased that Ava has agreed to share her story with us. Ava, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm ready to go ahead and just start. First, I'd like to get to know you a bit better and Mm -hmm. let our listeners do the same. I think that part of the trans experience that is hard for many cis people to understand is gender dysphoria and how it evolves and changes throughout your life. Will you share with us about your gender identity and how it has changed or maybe even how your perception of it has changed at different points in your life? Sure. Let me start by just saying not all trans people have gender dysphoria. Um, There's a huge variety of trans experiences. Um, I happen to have gender dysphoria, which for me always presented as not being able to be in a body that feels comfortable for me and not being able to move in society in a way that's comfortable for me. Um, And this started very... Wow. I would very astutely say um, to my kindergarten teacher that I did not belong in the boys' lineup. I needed to be over in the girls' lineup. that's interesting. It has yeah. such a young age. You felt so strongly I, compelled to go against a teacher, right? Because that takes oh, courage. My, my parents were brought in to the principal eventually. And like there was a conversation. Wow. Um, you know, and I really had to suppress that side of me. That was an early indication that moving as I am in the world might be challenging. Um, when that happened, were you made to feel shame because of what you had expressed? Did they make you feel like something was wrong with you in that moment? Very much felt like there was something wrong with me. And what that does when you, when you tell a kid who is so self-assured, this was something that I 100% knew, um, when you tell a kid that self-assured, that something is wrong with them. And then that layers on something already being wrong with me because I'm not in a body that's comfortable for me. Um, it, it really led to not being able to be myself at all in society and, you know, bouts of depression. Um, and luckily I 
was able to um, come out as gay in high school, I was, I thought that was the explanation for some of the feelings that I I had. Um, and I always felt wrong mm. still. There was still this element of like betrayal by my body, like adolescence on top of the hormones was just like a portrayal. Like I'm like, I did not consent mm-hmm. to the body hair. Yeah. You know, like to the point I was a very silly child and tried to use Clorox to like bleach my body. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you get burns? I did. They were yeah. horrible. Um, but you know, that's the extent that I was willing to go to, to try to stop adolescence. You know, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I feel like puberty is hard for anybody, right? It doesn't really matter like hormonally what's going on. Like it is a difficult time to be a human during that period of life. And I remember when I was entering that stage, I was so self-conscious. I didn't want to talk to anyone about anything. When I started my period for the first time, I would have rather crawled in a hole and died than ask my mom to go to the store and buy me pads and tampons, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I wasn't struggling with my gender. I felt like I was a woman. I understood that like, I'm a girl becoming a woman and like that felt right to me. So I can't imagine trying to juggle the act of going through adolescence and also so violently feeling like this isn't for me. My body is doing what I don't want it to do. And it's taking me, it's turning me into a person that I don't feel like I am. So I imagine that would have been incredibly hard on your mental health. Are you comfortable sharing a bit about what that period of your life was like? It was a dark period. Um, I was incredibly depressed um, throughout high school. Um, I attempted to take my life twice. Um, and the saving grace, the thing that got me through, um, because I didn't have a lot of support. I, my parents didn't really know. My parents are from a small town, Midwestern, didn't have language, didn't really know what to do with a kid like me. Um, you know, and I had a few teachers who, who got me, but I wasn't protected. Yeah. The way that the normal kids kind of were. Yeah. Um, Must have been a very othering experience as well. Oh, I, I never felt like I belonged. And the saving grace was at at the time from what was presented in culture mm-hmm. i associated gayness with femininity and so by coming out as gay mm-hmm. i was giving myself permission to be feminine and be proud of it um and i found that once i came out the power dynamic between the people who were the worst to me 
Mm -hmm. And the people who didn't quite know what to do with me and myself changed radically because I had power. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, if you're going to bully somebody or spread rumors, if they're living in the depth of their truth, none of that works. It must have been empowering too, because I feel like sexuality is something that we feel like we have more of a control over than how we express Mm -hmm. our gender. So being able to say like, I am gay must have been very empowering, even though it didn't quite fit right. It -hmm. must've felt like you finally got to make a choice that felt authentic in to you at that time, to some degree. Is that right? Very much so. Um, I, I certainly don't want to conflate gayness with transness those are very different experiences Mm -hmm. um you know gay men and women come in every iteration that straight men and women come in yes um you know it was just the language that i had at the time it was the understanding that i had at the time Mm -hmm. um and it's what i could cling to until I got a little older. Yeah. And, and learned more. Right. And also, I mean, I will say I'm born in 1989, so I'm in my early Mm thirties and I don't remember any trans kids that I went to school with even through high school. And I think that I went to a very socially liberal high school, right? We had lots of gay kids. We had lots of bi people. We didn't have a single trans student that I went to school with, at least at that time, it just wasn't heard of. Society didn't have um, any kind of safeguard in place to make these kids feel like they could really authentically be who they were at that age. And so um, maybe I think you're a a similar age to me. So I imagine that that was a similar experience for you, that you just didn't have anyone and you'd never seen anybody kind of go through what you were going through. Is that right? No, no. The closest... uh portrayal that I had, like there were no other trans kids. I was the first gay air quotes Mm. kid to ever come out in my school. Like when I actually came out, it was a big deal because like, even before prom came up, there were already discussions about prom, you know, that that's what, how big of a deal this was. Um, And you know, the only imagery that I had that was even close was drag queens. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, drag queens are not always trans. You yeah. know, it's a job. You're <laughs> so, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a job, not who someone is. Um, mm-hmm. So. That was the closest thing you had of like closest. a similar experience that you it felt was, like. It was such an isolated time. I imagine. And I, I appreciate you highlighting the fact that like you being able to come out, even though it wasn't really where you ended up landing. Right. But even just having that kind of moment switch things for you and kind of started to show you the world has other options for me. It doesn't have to be like that. So I appreciate you kind of highlighting the fact that there are choices that we can make that hopefully make us feel more at home because something you talked about was that you just didn't feel comfortable. And I imagine like not being comfortable in your own body would be very difficult. And so I appreciate you just talking about how even just making a choice that was a step closer in that direction Mm -hmm. to give you hope during such a hard time in your life. So thank you for sharing that. 
Well, not, uh, it's my pleasure. It, you know, it's interesting because I think that not being comfortable in our own body is something that everybody shares at one point or another. You're right. You're absolutely Uh right. And I certainly don't think that it, you know, that trans folks have cornered that market. No. just a severity issue. Mm -hmm. You're right. And as a fat person, I mean, I can think back also to those times in my life, which were adolescents mainly where I didn't feel at home in my body at all. And so you're right that, you know, it is something that I think everybody has experienced to one degree or another, you know, but the severity is worth highlighting. I think it was different for you than it was for others. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about now that you are post-transition, how your relationship with your body and with your mental health has changed now that you are where you are now. Yeah. Um, you know, when we say post-transition, um, it's, it's never, it's not done. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, I, I have made choices. I'm, I'm a binary trans woman. Um, and I, it makes my soul feel happy to feel as feminine as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've elected to have surgery and I, I probably will have more um, just to feel comfortable in my body. Um, it's interesting because as I was exploring early on transness, I I had this idea that it would be like a switch and mm-hmm. like I would get to some point in my transition and I would just be completely at home in my body. That hasn't been the case. Yeah. Um, you know, it's still a daily negotiation. There are days that um, I have to you know, look at myself in the mirror and really make myself love my body. Mm-hmm. That is that is something that has helped me in my transition is just standing in the mirror and clearing my mind and just looking without judgment. Mm-hmm. And observing. I, I observing. And it's um, remarkable how you can get to love your body, even, even when there's everything in your core being saying that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, that I love that you said that because that is one of the first things that I tell anyone who is wanting to improve their relationship with their body, improve their self-esteem is spend time naked. Anybody who's listened to the show has heard me say that before. (laughs) Spend time just looking at your body with a non-judgmental eye in the mirror. And the more you do that, the more at home you will feel in your skin, the more comfortable you will be. And then you will start to be able to look in the mirror and see things that you really like. And then, you know, and then after, after that, for me, joy, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm learning to completely be myself. I'm happy in life. I feel comfortable in my body most of the time, um, you know, and I hope that everybody can be as happy as I am 
and have that experience of that kind of joy in yourself. It's um, very liberating. It's it's freeing and it's beautiful. Um, you know, very often you see trans is beautiful as a slogan in it. And it's not always physical looks. It's diving deep into yourself and knowing exactly who you are. It's and that authenticity radiates correct when you are feeling comfortable and at home in your body and when you are very comfortable with who you are as a person Mm -hmm. I think it just radiates off of people it's something that you can feel you know and and it people say things to me like oh how did you get that way you know I wish I had your confidence which is something you should never tell anyone but that's something I hear often and um I think it's something that people feel just happens. Like you said, you felt like you could just kind of flip a switch. It is done. I've checked that box. I can move on and never have to worry about my body again. But I know that my body doesn't work that way. right? (laughs) And so I think it's important to hear that your body doesn't either, right? Like we all have a relationship with our body throughout our life that changes. And there are going to be times when we are happier and times when we, you know, struggle a little bit more in feeling at home. Yeah. I I think it's important to always keep in mind that, you know, the trans experience isn't something that's out there in the ether for other people. It's just a type of human experience. And it overlaps with my cisgender friends so much as I've, you know, um, talked to other women. I, more and more, you know, I'm like, my experience is not that different. You're absolutely right. And that's another reason why I'm so glad that you agreed to come on the show, because I hope that by having conversations like these, we are able to highlight that like, this isn't um, something that we should view as other, right? It is just a part of being human, just like anything else is. So thank you again, Ava. I'm so excited to talk more with you. We're going to head into a short break. So stick right there. And when we come back, Ava and I are going to be talking a little bit more about her personal life. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Willow Intimacy offers body positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit willowintimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. Are you looking to get more from your relationship? Why is it that some people just seem to have a better sex life, better marriage, and a closer, more meaningful relationship? Find out the best-kept secrets and more on The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Carol and David will share insight about the swinging lifestyle and how it has strengthened their love and marriage, not to mention their great sex. Tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? 
Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. Thank you so much for staying tuned. This is Kissing in a Tree and I'm Kelly Nichols. I have had the pleasure of speaking with Ava Elder as she navigated her relationship with her body and her gender and her gender expression. She has been so open and vulnerable discussing that with us. And we are going to switch gears just a little bit. Um, Ava, were you, you were in a relationship with your partner when you made the decision to transition. You are still with that partner today. How did your transition affect your relationship? Oh, so I married one of the most wonderful people I know. Like, he's disgusting. (laughs) Um, He's one of those people that's good when nobody's watching. Yep. And, um, but it was hard because when I, when I got married, I married a gay man. (laughs) And I thought I was a gay man. And then I got the language to understand myself better. And it was, it was interesting. I remember the day that I came out to him and I'm usually a pretty direct person. And I was kind of like, well, so I've been thinking that maybe I might want to see a therapist to kind of discuss if I could possibly be trans, but I'm not sure. And um, very delicate, very delicate. And I could see in his eyes, this mixture of fear Mm -hmm. and compassion. Um, Wow. And love. And that was the first indication that I had that everything was going to be okay the day I came out to him Mm -hmm. um and he has been along this journey I have I have watched him not only grow as my spouse but as a better person for it Mm -hmm. um and what we had to decide was to love the person, not their gender mm-hmm. and not their sexuality. Um, and that's the beautiful part of our marriage now is that there's this open acceptance without a lot of pressure mm-hmm. in each other. Like we look at each other and we do our best to accept one another. Um, and that's not to say there aren't difficult times. There are, I, there are times that, quite honestly, I wonder what it would be like to wake up next to someone who appreciates my womanliness mm-hmm. on a very regular basis. You know, we eventually opened up our relationship and are polyamorous. We both have people that we seek out for both romantic and sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the 
the interesting thing <laughs> is that I became so much more sexual mm. after coming out. And my husband, because I brought him along on this beautiful journey, um, really started doing introspection himself and was learning to figure himself out. And he is asexual now. He has realized that he's asexual. And so we're we're both in these very different places than we started out yeah. our relationship. Um you know, I think, I think the joy is I've I've gotten to add more love to my life. You know, I I have focused on um, having loving relationships, mm-hmm. and um, it's been fruitful. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, even talking about it, this is an audio medium, but you are smiling so bright. (laughs) You can tell that just talking about your, not only your marriage, but also your adventure into polyamory and experiencing new things. So you can really tell that it brings you joy and it fills your cup. And, and I think it's beautiful to, to see you talk about it because you can tell that it is something that brings joy to your life. I, I really lucked out. Um, I have two, people in my life who are kind and patient and just fantastic. And the biggest thing for me is they're always encouraging me to just do Ava, Mm. you know, that's beautiful. And sometimes that's still hard. It's I'm, I'm still kind of this awkward adolescent (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the inside trying to yeah. figure out life a little bit because I, I I haven't been myself for very long. I you know, I would say that I've only I, I've been transitioning for four or five years and I've only in the last year and a half, two years really felt comfortable moving mm-hmm. in the world. Um, and comfortable in my body. And so now I'm like in this awkward second adolescence and I couldn't have two more supportive people. That's beautiful. It's, it's like I said, it's beautiful to hear you talk about it because you can tell how much it works for you hearing you talk about it. I think that that's important um, that you can tell that your needs are being met and that you are getting to explore who you are. And something that I want to discuss a little bit more is you talked about, you know, once you had made the decision to transition, you became more sexual. Do you feel like that is because you were finally feeling comfortable in your body for the first time? Oh, 100%. Well, it's an interesting duality. Um, I think 90% of it is I'm much more comfortable in my own body. Um, when I was in the gay community, I I never felt like I belonged. I always felt like a little bit of an outsider. Um, and obviously, we know why. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, you know, so as a woman, I'm just so much more in touch with 
all of May because I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not trying. So in, in intercourse before transition, I would actually have to deepen my voice. And I can remember the first time I let out kind of a feminine moan Mm -hmm. and like just felt, you know, 90% of that was I'm in my own body and I'm happy with where my body's headed and I'm working on that every day. But, you know, a small amount was I was with somebody who really sees me not as a trans woman, but as a woman. Mm, That is so important. I think there, there is a, there's a power in giving people the gift of seeing them as they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a changing moment for me. Yeah. It sounds like that sexual experience for you was healing in some ways. And I think that sex can be healing, right? Like I firmly believe that having sex with a partner can, um, not always, of course, casual sex is fine, but having sex with a partner who you are intimate with, um, can make you feel more at home in your body and make you feel more powerful in your body. And it sounds like that was the experience that you had as well. Yes. Um, it's just being connected. Mm-hmm honestly with somebody yeah so beautiful Mm -hmm. it is and it's not like the sex changed yeah right (laughs) you know it's not i yeah um, i don't have any different kind of sex than i did before it's just that honesty and not worrying Mm -hmm. and being able to let go and embrace my femininity It reminds me of, you know, when women, I mean, any person, but particularly women seem to say that they don't enjoy like one night stands as much because they don't have a um, emotional connection to that partner. And that's, I I think part of that is because there is nothing more vulnerable than being naked and having sex with someone, right? Like that is the most vulnerable thing that we do. And so when you are doing that with someone that you feel isn't really seeing the real you, you feel like you have to hide parts of yourself. And when you're naked, that's very hard. (laughs) And so I think that many people enjoy more connected sex to a partner that they are feeling an emotional and intimate connection with because it, it helps us be more vulnerable in that moment. And I think that that can lead to better sex. Have you experienced that? It's interesting um, because I've, I've gotten enough power out of that feeling that I have occasionally made forays into one night stands um, and they're okay. I'm more of a connection person, um, but it's just, I, I don't have adequate words. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's this beautiful experience for me to be genuinely emotionally connected. And that's something that I did want to talk to you about as well, because I feel like so many 
people who are monogamous feel like people who decide to open up their relationships are doing it almost like just as an excuse to have casual sex with whoever they want. And I believe that that's a misconception that we need to work to undo society um, on a society level, because I don't feel like that's true. Polyamory isn't just about sex, right? Like it is about going out and having emotional connections with people and even just having casual relationships that aren't sexual, right? right? Can you talk to me a little bit about what that part of the journey has been like for you? Sure. I I have many intimate relationships. One of them is sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest is about connecting with the person in a real and genuine way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, currently I am, I am focused on two people, mm-hmm. um, just for practical purposes, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> it's a time yeah. thing. Relationships take time. Yeah. Um, and it's not just time, but it's the feeling that I have with those two. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know what's interesting is even I like I did a big dating spray after we went polyamorous, um, and the the misconception that polyamorous people are you know promiscuous or just want to have an excuse to have you know a lot of sex, um, you know it's it's a perk. it's a perk but it you know it's not the end all be all I still have had fewer sexual partners than most of my you know straight Mm -hmm. cisgender friends um yeah even after on a dating yeah I think that something that people who aren't polyamorous don't think about is that if you are having healthy relationships, that takes so much communication. And in my opinion, more communication than a monogamous relationship, not just because you're talking to more than just one person, right? But oftentimes you're not living in the same household as all of your partners. You also have to make sure that you know, when we talk about what our boundaries are going to be with one partner, that's expressed to another. Like there's a lot of just logistical hoops and a lot of hard conversations to have that I think isn't something that monogamous people think of when they talk about polyamory. Has that been true for you? Have you felt like you are having a lot of communication with both of your partners during this time? Yeah. Communication is everything. And the fascinating thing is that my husband and I have never been more open with each other than when we went polyamorous. You know, we we really have to take care of each other and, you know, be very open and honest. And our approaches are very hilarious <laughs> Um because I'm much more open. I'm, you know, I um, I be- went from becoming this very sexually repressed person to I'm kind of like very outward mm-hmm. um, when it's appropriate. And my husband is just very like, my other relationships are over there. But, 
we know each other so much better now. Um, and we're just constantly talking, you know, and um, overcoming challenges. You know, it takes a lot of being present and mindful mm-hmm. um, with, you know, all of your partners, you, you know, and you're talking to everybody. I am not what is called kitchen table poly. So my relationships don't intersect and I don't particularly want them to. Mm. Um, But the kind of communication, the depth of communication that has to happen is very important. And I think something you said um, reminded me that um, I think if you're in a polyamorous relationship, you not only have to spend time going on a date with you know, this new partner or your other partner. Um, but I almost feel like when you come back home, you also have to take time to check in with the partner that you live with to make sure, like, how were you doing when I was gone? Did you have any feelings that arose that you kind of weren't expecting? Has that been true in your relationship that you're kind of having to go on a date and then also come home and hold space a little bit? For us, it's not coming home and doing it. It's over the course of, you know, the entire relationship being a little bit more supportive. You know, mm-hmm. I am not with my husband very physical, mm-hmm. you know, and so I have to be mindful that touch is something that's important to him. And so, you know, just trying to run fingers through hair, mm-hmm. that the little things or just complimenting him you know, and the reassurance reassurance. of the like attachment. Yeah. Because I think both of us are, you know, I think there's something that we both came to early was the fear that the other person would find someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'm not sure that there is anyone else I would rather spend my life with than my Mm -hmm. husband, you know, and, uh, my other relationship is over three years old, you know, and it's remarkable how much I've learned from my other partner. Um, but there's something about my husband coming home to him, you know, that makes me never want to go. That's beautiful. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us, Ava. We are going to go into another short break, but stay tuned because when we come back, we are going to be answering your questions. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. No relationship is perfect. There is always room for improvement, but sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. 
It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. Thank you so much for staying tuned. I am Kelly Nichols, and I've been joined by the wonderful Ava Elder, who has been talking to us not only about her relationship with her body, but also her relationship with others. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable. Um, We are going to get right into answering some Q&A from you. But first, this is going to be a quick highlight for a health clinic. As usual, this segment is not sponsored. This is just information that I feel like it's important for you to know. This week's clinic is the A. Project Rhode Island, or APRI, which was originally founded in 1985 as the first AIDS service organization in Rhode Island. Their mission is to provide a compassionate, non-judgmental, and collaborative response to the needs of people living with, affected by, and at risk for HIV. APRI offers free rapid HIV and hepatitis C testing by appointment, or you can get a free at-home HIV testing kit. The rapid HIV and hepatitis C tests provide results in approximately 20 minutes. You will not have to be there long. They also offer free condoms and other safer sex supplies by appointment. For more information or to donate to this impactful organization, please visit agedprojectri.org. Again, that is agedprojectri.org. All right, Ava. I have a question ready to go. Are you ready to answer? I am. I love questions. (laughs) Great. So this first one is, I went out on a second date with a guy tonight that I really like. We were hitting it off and the date was great. Then I excused myself to the restroom. And when I came back, there were three other women at the table. He introduced me as his friend and one of them got out of my chair so I could sit down. However, they all stayed there laughing and joking for the rest of our date. He even got one of their numbers because she's a realtor and he is looking to sell his house. I felt very uncomfortable. Should I bring this up or should I just ignore it? What are your thoughts, Ava? My thought is to be very honest about the situation and how you feel about it. Um, You know, I think that we feel like early on in dating, we're not really able to put boundaries, places, or express how we feel. But to me, that's how you know if you're compatible. You know, if if this person isn't willing to meet you somewhere, even if you're not monogamous, just say during our dates, could there, you know, not be other people? Women at the table? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, 
I agree. Yeah. Communicate about it. And you made a great point that I feel like isn't something we discuss often, but when we are dating early on, I feel like there is some kind of pressure to appear easygoing. Um, and like, oh yeah, I'm kind of okay with whatever, but that makes it harder to set boundaries later on, because now you're going to have to have a difficult conversation about why this behavior has been going on for months. And now you're trying to put a stop to it. So you, you brought up a great point by saying like, talk about it now, it will help you now. And it does impact compatibility so much. If you have someone who is not willing to honor your boundaries, then, you know, they're not the person for you. I will also say, um, I think it was very disrespectful. Even if it wasn't a date, if I just went out to lunch with my girlfriend and I come back and there are three other people at the table and she spends the rest of the time talking to them, that's going to piss me off. And rightfully so, like you've taken time out of your day to, to get to know this person better and to spend quality time with them. And they are spending that energy elsewhere. So not only do I think you should talk about it, um, but I also think that you should have a difficult conversation with them about what you expect your dates to look like, because it seems like y'all are not on the same page. Um, it seems like he is wanting to kind of take you out and meet other women at the same time. And that's not what you're interested in. So having an open and honest conversation about what you want your future dates to look like, I think would be really helpful. Do you have anything else to add, Ava? No, I, you're the expert and you <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I do have another question prepared to you. This one says, I need some of your advice. My fiance and I have been together for about a year and a half. During that time, he seems like the man of my dreams. We are so alike and have similar views, which is hard in my conservative area. I recently found some flirtatious messages between him and other women, nothing that explicitly like crossed the line, but enough that it made me uncomfortable. There was also a suspiciously empty search history, which struck me as odd. I've never checked my partner's phone before, and I don't even know why I did it. He leaves his phone around all the time and has given me the password. It's not like he's possessive of it. I don't know what to do. I don't want him to know that I checked his phone, but I can't let go of the knowledge that I have. What's your opinion, Eva? Oh, it's a hard one. This is a tough one. Um, I personally, I, I personally would let it go. Okay. But that's the kind of relationship that I have. Yeah. You know, in polyamory, um, there's a concept called compersion and it's being happy for your partner. And, you know, I don't know if this is a polyamorous relationship or not, you know, but I'm kind of the girl who's like, go get it. You know, as long (laughs) as you're being honest with me, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but it also probably warrants a conversation. If this is a boundary, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all about communicating your boundaries. You're right. Yeah. And it's a great point that you bring up because that she doesn't explicitly say that they are monogamous, but the fact that she is having an issue with his flirtation makes me think that they probably are. And I think to your point, um, if, if you have an open relationship or even a monogamish relationship, right. Um, that can be fine. But even if you are monogamous, not everybody considers flirting cheating. Right. And so seeing as how you didn't see any messages that you felt like explicitly crossed the line, um, he might not feel like he's doing anything wrong. Now, the problem is you feel like he is. And that is something that I think you should have a conversation about. I also think something that we 
are drawn to do is check our partner's phone, especially if we have a history of a partner who is unfaithful in a monogamous relationship. And I think that if you are going to make that choice, you should stop and just have the conversation with your partner. If you really want to know, have a conversation with him and ask him to hand over his phone right there. Right. But sneaking around number one is a huge violation of his privacy. That is not okay. And that is something that you need to address. Um, but also once you have this knowledge, you can't unknow it, which is part of the problem, right? You say you, you can't let go of the knowledge that you have. That wouldn't have been a problem if you weren't sneaking around. You know, if you just had a conversation of, listen, I'm feeling kind of weird. Can I look at your phone and kind of see what's going on? Now you want to be stuck with this albatross of information. So my advice to you in this situation would be if you are monogamous, fess up and tell him that you looked at his phone. I know you don't want to do that. And it's going to be a hard conversation because you have violated his privacy, but he deserves to know that. Um, And also you deserve to have a conversation about what cheating means in your relationship for yourself. If you feel like flirting is crossing the line that you do not want your partner flirting with someone else, that's fine. Communicate that to him because he might not feel the same way. He might not have no problem with you flirting with someone else. So um, it's kind of one of those situations where until you have that conversation, I don't think it's fair to um, say like, oh, he's cheated on me. And you, you haven't said that, but I can get by the tone of your message that you feel like he's crossed a line. So it's important to communicate what those lines are, right? Set up the boundary of when we are in this committed relationship flirting with other people is not okay. Um, I also think you mentioned that y'all are engaged to be married. You've known each other for a year and a half. This is a conversation that I think should happen earlier in the relationship. I'm talking when, once you decide that y'all are committed pretty soon thereafter, you need to have a conversation of what that looks like. Are we monogamous? If we are open, what kind of dynamic do we want to set up? If we are going to be monogamous and it's just going to be the two of us, then what crosses a line where, okay, this is infidelity because that line is different for every couple and every couple needs to have that conversation. Don't assume that you and your partner both agree, right? Do you have anything else to add, Ava? No, communicate, communicate, <laughs> communicate early and often. Early and often. You're absolutely right. I often say that communication, I think, is the most important thing in a relationship. It can stop a lot of problems before they happen. And I think this letter is a great example of that, right? If you had had an early conversation about what that boundary was, then hopefully he would have honored that and you wouldn't have found anything if you did decide to look on his phone. Um, okay. I have another question. Are you ready, Ava? Absolutely. Okay. This one says, I am dating, but I feel like I am wasting my time. So many people just want to chat and chat, but never meet up. How long is too long to be talking and never meeting? What are some signs that it is time to cut my losses and move on to someone more serious? What are your thoughts? I am kind of brutal. Um, (laughs) When it comes to this, um, I think it depends on the situation, Um, but I cut off early if if the goal is to meet in person. And early on, I verify, you know, I, I verify that, you know, is this something that you're going to want to take offline? Mm -hmm. Um, And if they say yes, and, 
you know, I'll usually give them three chances. You know, I'm not afraid to be the girl that's going to ask them out. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll just kind of say, hey, you want to catch a movie? And if they're, oh, it's not good, you know, wait a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it was that important, they might work you in. They would make you a priority. That is so true. I think something that we don't factor enough in when we are dating is how much someone else is making a priority. And I'm not saying that before you ever meet somebody, they've got to be the most important thing in your world. That's not healthy either. But I am saying if you are interested in a genuine relationship, a genuine connection with someone, it shouldn't take you forever to go see them, right? It shouldn't take you forever to respond to their messages. So I think it's important that especially early on in the relationship, someone is showing you that they are valuing your time, that they are valuing getting to know you, and that they are making you a priority in their life enough so that you can at least meet and decide this is a go or this is a no, right? And so taking it offline, especially quickly can help kind of figure that out because there are a lot of times when you have great chemistry online and the second you meet in person, it's like talking to a wet blanket, right? And so kind of getting it offline and into IRL, if you will, is important. And Ava, you made a great point when you said you're not a girl who's too scared to ask someone out. And that's a great point. I think a lot of women don't want to make the first move. And even a lot of dating coaches will say, oh, as a woman, never make the first move. I don't subscribe to that. I think it is 2023. (laughs) If you want to take someone on a date, ask them. I'm not saying chase a guy, but there is no shame in letting your intentions be known. Ava is agreeing with me violently (laughs) both of my both of my relationships i kind of made the first move Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it's yeah (laughs) (laughs) my husband and i i can't remember who set up the first day i don't know it was probably him now that i'm thinking about it when we met in person for the first time i'm definitely the one who had to kiss him right like i had to like pull off that band-aid and and i don't think there's anything wrong with that like letting your um intentions be known and also not every man is gonna be dominant trying to chase you all the time and honestly that's not what i wanted anyway right so also kind of factor in your wants and your desires as well (laughs) ava Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, We are going to go, but I do want to encourage you, if you would like to hear your questions answered on a future episode, email the show at show at willowintimacy.com. And we will include your episode on a few, include your question on a future episode until next week, deepen your roots, branch out with love and keep growing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Kissing in a Tree. We hope you learned something new and that you use it to enrich the relationships in your life. Until next time, we hope you feel loved.